So if you were a uh, <laughs> member of D-Tent. Yeah, if you were a member of D-Tent, what would your nickname be? Mm, I like Mac, but it was also suggested Chafe. <laughs> yeah. I think Chafe is more um, applicable <laughs> to me. Um, I don't know what my rap would be in the banger. <laughs> no, but, no, yeah, I know. Um, that, how about you? What, what would your detent name be even though you're a, a girl? <laughs> I think my detent name would be, I actually like Stubbs. Stubbs? Because I've got five o'clock shadow. Uh-huh. <laughs> Between my tits and your five o'clock shadow, who the hell are we? <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we can fix that. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2003 Disney comedy, Holes. Holes. I can't believe that this is a Disney movie. I know. I had forgotten all about that. (laughs) Because, you know, it's one of those ominous Disney movies, like where the Walt Disney logo lights up like embers at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. With the shooting star. It's all sinister. Yeah. Before we get started, don't forget, head over to Twitter and follow us at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be recommending us to your friends. Please be practicing the three R's of Twitter. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. Spread the word. Let people know about our shenanigans. We want people of all kinds all over the place to be enjoying our little watch parties. And if you haven't written us a review yet, please go do that. It really, really helps us. Mm-hmm. All right, grab your shovels. You ready? I'm so ready. My name is Stanley Yelnats. All my life, I seem to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. My grandpa says it's because of this 150-year-old curse. There's no curse on this family. There is on the men in this family. It's all because of your no-good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing, great-great-grandfather. Welcome to Camp Green Lake. Where's the lake? (laughs) This is Stanley. Everyone in my family names their son Stanley because it's Yelnats backwards. Well, that's interesting. Did you tell him about the lizards? You don't bother them, they won't bother you. Usually. Now, to break his family's curse... It's destiny. He'll have to solve a mystery. What do you say we dig one more hole? Why? I feel lucky. And find what's hidden at Camp Green Lake. What is that? I think I might have found something. What'd you find? You better get down here. So, Lewis Sacker. Yeah. He uh he's done two things that I know of. Obviously, he wrote the novel Holes, which I read like the first 3 chapters of once in grade school. <laughs> yeah. Because the movie came out in what? 2003? I think so, yeah. I was in first grade. 
Yeah. Wow. I was in fifth grade. Uh-huh. I honestly cannot remember if I read the book first or saw the movie first. I feel like I saw the movie first. Also, there's this series that was on Nickelodeon that is based on these uh, books by Lewis Sager called Wayside. Do you remember that? I do not. That wacky cartoon with the school that has all the different objects made into a building. Oh! Yeah, it's a crazy looking school. Well, that's, wow, that was in the deep corner of my mind. Yeah, it was on Nickelodeon or something. I had to dust cobwebs off of that. A $20 million budget grossing $50 million. I remember seeing this movie in the theater. It was wild. I don't remember seeing this movie in the theater. I only remember it on DVD. Uh-huh. But um, I can remember so clearly being in music class mm-hmm. in first grade. Remember Mrs. Addington? I do. Remember the Addingtons? I do. Great family. Um, I can remember her using the banger song from this movie <laughs> to teach us about rhythm. Oh my God. Literally, that's what she did. She would put no. this song on and we would have the sticks, right? That you'd clank together in music class. <laughs> and she'd have us doing the rhythm, all of us, to dig it up. Dig it up, oh, oh, dig it. Dig it up, oh, oh. Dig it up, oh, oh, dig it. Dig it up, oh, oh. Not the white teacher using rap to teach. <laughs> Listen, it was fun as fuck. No, it's And I would never begrudge fun. Mrs. Addington of doing it that way. She was using popular media at the time to, you know, give us a little school. That song smacks, though. I mean... It has no business smacking the way it does. They did not have to go so hard. <laughs> and also, like, there's a YouTube video. It's like a photo compilation video with that song over it. And the top comment is, this song is unironically fire. It really oh, is! Like... <laughs> Because when you think about who's singing it, there's all these kids. <laughs> Which should bring us right into... We've Got Names. All right. Playing Stanley Yelnats the Fourth, we have Shia LaBeouf. Welcome back, Shia. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> he was with us in iRobot. He was the star of Disney's Even Stevens. Oh, my God. He's the star of Disturbia. Wasn't he in those friggin'... Oh... Where the cars turn into superheroes. What? Oh. Oh, the Transformers? Transformers. Like, stuff's not been right for him since Transformers. I, I really don't think so. And, like, now he's, like, a stalker or something. I don't know. This he's, is this is baby Shia. Yeah, I know. This is just out of even Steven's Shia buff. I, I hate it when they grow up to behave badly. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It happens. It happens. Playing the warden today, oh, one of my favorite characters ever, we have Miss Sigourney Weaver with us. Ah, uh, you'll remember her from last year during birthday month when we did The Village. Oh, that's right. M. Night Shyamalan, right? You forget she's in that movie, I, don't you? I really do. Because it's Sigourney Weaver, and why the hell is she in a Shyamalan flick? But there she is. She's most famous for being in the Alien franchise. She's Ellen Ripley. Yeah. Come on. She's in Galaxy Quest, one of my favorite movies of all time. Guys, Ghostbusters, Avatar, your your favorite movie, Cabin <laughs> in the Woods. <laughs> I only like Cabin in the Woods as much as I do because it makes you so angry. <laughs> like, I'll never forget the first time I watched that movie. You know what? We'll do, you want to do it for Halloween this year? I'm because we, we will. We just you wanted might. to do it last year, and I was adamant <laughs> that we did not. No. 
as Mr. Sir, we have actual monster John Voight. John Voight can die in a fire. <laughs> oh, God. oh, hi, John. I'm glad you're not going to be with us for more than 90 minutes. Oh, my God. He's um, Angelina Jolie's dad. Yeah. And um, a huge MAGA head. Like, mm-hmm. one of the biggest. And um, I think he's horrible. He was an enemy of the state, runaway train, the heat, the rainmaker. Deliverance. Like, oh, oh, yes. Oh, how could I forget? He won the he won the Oscar for coming home. Oh, uh, bar. In back in 1970, whatever the hell. Playing Dr. Pendansky, we have Tim Blake Nelson. Dr. Jonathan Jacobo from Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. I knew you'd bring that up. Tim Blake Nelson makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> He's in that Ballad of Buster Scruggs shit. He's Dr. Stearns in The Incredible Hulk. Um, he's in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He is, isn't he? Kimmy's stepdad. Yep. Didn't you ever have to watch Oh Brother, Where Art Thou when you were in, like, I don't know, middle school English or something? No, I actually dodged having to read the book and therefore dodged having to see the film. (laughs) Playing Hector Zero Zeroni, we have Cleo Thomas. He was in Friday After Next, Walking Tall, Remember the Days, or any of these titles ringing a bell. He's a rapper now. He is. I've seen him on TikTok before. Fine looking young man. <laughs> um, playing Sam the Onion Man, we have Dulé. I really wish he was called something else. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have Dulé Hill. Guys, Dulé Hill. He's back with us. You might remember last November when we covered the pilot of the West Wing. Yeah, you were big energy in that episode. Absolutely. How could you not be? And playing Kissin' Kate Barlow, we have Patricia Arquette. Uh, you know, she's in that episode of SVU. Oh, that's a great episode. Uh, sorry, I say that episode. I don't know what the episode's called, but... It's called Dreams Deferred. I do remember liking that episode very much, though, when I did see it. And she is also in The Act, which... Uh, um, yeah. That was a rough watch, but she did a really excellent job. About Gypsy Blanchard. Yeah. And Dee Dee Blanchard. And yeah. <laughs> God. Good job, Hulu. You put me on my nerves. Playing Stanley Yelnats the third, we have Henry Winkler. Guys, the Fonz is here. <laughs> All right, Anne Louise, your prize is coming. Hey. Yeah, he played Arthur Fonzarelli on Happy Days, and he's also on Arrested Development. He's also in that Scream movie. <laughs> the first one is the principal who gets hung from the. Oh, never mind. No spoiler. <laughs> I want to mention Siobhan Fallon Hogan. She's a character actress who's speckled across your film viewing lexicon. She's playing his wife. She's in Men in Black, Forrest Gump, Daddy Daycare. Like, she's in a lot of random things. I love her as the um, Lamaze class coordinator in Baby Mama. <laughs> yes! Massage the air we are day we with a will E-V-O-O. Is Sigourney Weaver also not in that movie? She is! She is! (laughs) Oh my god. She shows up in the strangest places. (laughs) These producers, I'm telling you. Oh, don't forget. We cannot forget Ms. Eartha Kitt. In one of her final film appearances. I know. I know. Like, in addition to being in a lot of things we like, like she was one of the original Catwomen, she's in Emperor's New Groove, she was also a recording artist, a lot of French songs. She popularized the Santa Baby tune that you all love at Christmas time. Yeah. Let's not forget about Rick Fox either, as Sweet Feet, the baseball player. He's a fine looking man. He is. I, I, I... He's actually a basketball player. He should 
sure is. <laughs> I think he plays for the Tar Heels. Yeah. But like, I I like him. He's been in things. He's been on Shameless. Yeah, he has, hasn't he? He did coke with Frank that one time. He did. <laughs> oh my what God. the hell? Okay. You ready to get digging? <laughs> Get her done, I guess. <laughs> we opened on a desert of holes. Boys digging. Men with guns walking around, make sure they're digging. We see a young man, a young ward named Barfbag. <laughs> Barfbag climbs out of his hole. Why the children are laboring, we're not quite sure yet. But there's a rattlesnake, a hissing and a snapping not too far away from him. Yeah. And uh, he decides, you know what? I'm sick of this hell. <laughs> I'm going to get sent home. Or at least out of here. This is some desperate action. He holds his bare foot out to this rattlesnake. And, you know, snake's going to snake. Right. Snake is going to snake, and that thing goes right after his foot. Hey, what you doing? Barfback! Take that back! Come on, man! Hey, this ain't funny, dog. Stop playing. Get back, Barfback, for real. Come on, what are you doing? Barfback! He screams into the sun, and from that sun, we transition into the sun birthing shoes out of the sky. (laughs) Birthing shoes? (laughs) This is where the main plot of the story starts. This starts with Stanley Yelnats, Shia LaBeouf. He is a dopey kid from a working class family who is always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, he's just walking down the street, minding his own GD business, and this pair of baseball cleats falls on his head. Also, Yelnats is Stanley backwards. Yeah. What? What if your name was Carrie Iraq? Carrie Iraq? Yeah. (laughs) I don't like that at all. Mine'd be. What? Ross Sore. Yeah. Sisor. Sisor. Ross Sisor. That sounds like you're a fancy hairstylist. Sounds like I'm a dinosaur. A (laughs) Ross (laughs) Sisor. But um, Stanley Yelnats has a curse upon his family. All my life, I seem to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. My grandpa, Stanley Yelnats II, says it's all because of this 150-year-old curse. Now, I don't really believe in the family curse, but when things go wrong, it kind of helps if you can blame it on something. And for me, things went wrong a lot. He's Stanley Yelnats IV, mind you. Yeah. His father, Stanley Yelnats Third, is Harry Winkler. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the Fonzin is, is his dad. He is an inventor who is trying to eliminate foot odor. Yeah. And shoes. <laughs> now that is a fine pair of shoes. Could I just smell your shoe? How about if you take your shoe off and I'll just... While you're in there. Their apartment is bedazzled with... <laughs> Stinky fucking shoes, and their landlord is always pissed. Did you recognize the landlord? No. He's the guy from 40-Year-Old Virgin. (gasps) The one that we don't like. Yeah, who attacked his girlfriend, like, in real life. Yeah. So the police pick up Stanley because he's running away with these very expensive shoes that just fell out of the sky for no reason. They bring him back to his parents' apartment, and they're like, um, (laughs) uh-oh. Like, they're immediately convinced that whatever is going on is a mistake. Like, they're just, they know their kid would never steal expensive shoes. <laughs> the police go into his bedroom, and they see the the sportsman, what's his name? His name? 
screams Clyde Livingston. <laughs> they see the Clive Livingston poster on there, and they're like, oh, okay, this is unimpeachable evidence <laughs> that you stole these shoes. They snap a pick, and there's their case? Like, No, this is very flimsy police work from the get-go. There's no interrogation, at least not that we see. They just take a picture of that poster and slap the cuffs on this young man. Like, Stanley's such a good kid. Like, he didn't do anything. He didn't. And he gets hauled in front of court. Judge Gorg. Is that really his name? Yeah, if you look at the nameplate, it says Gorg. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, G-O-R-G. That sounds like something from Star Trek. Judge Gorg says that he can go to jail for theft or... He can do 18 months at Camp Green Lake, a juvenile correctional facility somewhere in the Texan desert. There is currently a vacancy at Camp Green Lake. They help troubled youth build character. The choice is yours. Camp Green Lake or jail. Uh, Well, i never been to camp before. 18 months, Camp Green Lake, son. No, like, if you watch daytime talk shows, I'm sure you've seen an episode about these, like, wilderness programs for troubled children. Like, kids. That don't work. Yeah, like, kids. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know if they work or not, really. I don't know what the stats are there. I just feel like the whole concept of, like, using labor to, like, basically uh, grind someone into submission is kind of gross on its face. Like, in real programs, you would get, like, actual counseling instead of just being forced to, like, work on farms or on ranches. Like, this is is just kind of, like, free labor. Yeah, this is literally a camp where boys who get sent there dig holes all day long in the hot sun every single day. I don't think Stanley quite knows that yet, though. (laughs) No, 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 because he's like, he thinks that camp sounds like fun. Camp Green Lake is a dust bowl in the middle of the desert. There is no lake, despite what the name would have you believe. (laughs) There's no green and there's no lake. (laughs) There used to be, but it's long been dried up. It is dry as a flapper's vajuju. Stop! Sorry. They're like 100 by now. A deputy armed with a shotgun escorts Stanley to Camp Green Lake, and we meet one of the camp's head administrators, Mr. Sir. John Voight is here. I hate it. I hope wherever he is, he's having acid reflux. My name is Mr. Sir. Whenever you speak to me, you will call me by my name. That clear? Yes, Mr. Sir. You think that's funny? Huh? Oh, Mr. Sir. This isn't a Girl Scout camp. Understand? Great character, though. No, yeah, like, you love to hate him, right? Yeah. He just recently stopped smoking. <laughs> so he's in a great mood. And um, he, the way that he is curtailing his uh, vices is through sucking and spitting sunflower seeds. <laughs> I know, I know. Were you bothered? It's the spitting for me. <laughs> I love that he's just, like, trying to show him the ropes, and he's like, He takes him outside, he's trying to show him around, and he's like, you see any guard towers around here? See any fences? Anything like that? And he's like, nothing to run away, Mr. Sir. Good thinking, you know, that's doesn't nobody run away from here. You know why? We got the only water for a hundred miles. Our own little oasis. You want to run away? Them buzzards will pick you clean by the end of the third day. They can't go anywhere. It's the middle of the desert. There's no water for miles. They have the only water for a hundred miles. You would die before you got anywhere. Yeah, it, it hasn't rained in this part of the country in like a hundred years. Which is like not possible, but like at the same time. I know, I know. It's a fictional narrative. <laughs> 
while Stanley is because you know you get two sets of uniforms, one for work and one for play. Yeah, and you got you can only you can only wash them every three days. Oh, gross! Ugh. I can't. Like, listen, I know I don't take that great care of myself now, but like, oh, I wouldn't survive the summer. I would not survive the summer at Camp Green Lake, where it's never winter. Just chronic swamp ass for 90 days. They can only take cold showers. Can you imagine? And they have to have tokens to run the showers. That's so wrong. This is prison. It, it's literally like, it's not even any better than jail. Like, he probably would have had more fun in jail. Like we said, at this camp, Stanley must dig one hole each day, five foot deep, five feet in diameter. And that's all that's required, is digging holes in the hot sun as a form of character building. That is Camp Green Lake's philosophy. But there are so many hazards, Ross! You have dehydration, sun poisoning, rattlesnakes, lethally poisonous yellow-spotted lizards. I think that they're a f- creation for the novel. Oh, well, the yellow-spotted lizards? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're not real, but it's a fictional narrative. They also are overseen by uh, counselors. Counselors is such an inappropriate word. Yeah, I know. These it- are men with guns who are babysitting. We only really get introduced to one. <laughs> not Counselor Pendansky. I'm sorry. Dr. Pendensky. Oh, God, Pendensky. He comes into that shack while Stanley's getting set up, and he's like, Stanley Yelnats, I just want you to know that you may have done some bad things, but that does not make you a bad kid. I respect you, Stanley. Welcome to Camp Green Lake. I'm Dr. Pendensky, your counselor. I hate the way he's all smiles and chuckles at the beginning of this. Like, oh, we're going to have a good character-building time here at Camp Green Lake. Oh, no, he's ice underneath. Yeah, he really is. He's like Ned Flanders, but, like, not a good person. Exactly. He's like, yes, he's a sinister Ned Flanders. Uh, Yeah. Rule number one at Camp Green Lake, do not upset the warden. Oh, God, the warden. I love how they set the warden up with so much, like, anticipation. Oh, it's big. It's big. um, It's big Miranda Priestly vibes. Like, (laughs) yeah. All right, it's time to meet the rest of the boys who are assigned to D-Tent. First, we have X-Ray, the guy with the big, chonky glasses. Uh Uh-huh. He's like their unspoken leader. Uh, Yeah. Then we have Squid. He's like the second. I I don't know how I would qualify that exactly. Boys like Squid were mean to me in school. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they sure were. (laughs) Then we have Armpit. He's the fat kid. Yeah. And then we have Magnet. He's one of my favorites because you know why Magnet's here? Why? Magnet's here for shoplifting a puppy. Yeah. Which is just one of the most dear things. Shoplifting in general, so. (laughs) Yeah, no, who cares? He's like, he walks out of a store and things stick to him. That's why they call him Magnet. Then we have Zigzag. Zigzag? Zigzag worries me. Uh, I mean, did they? I, <laughs> I think they say later in the movie that he's got acute paranoia or something like that. Uh, he's got, he's got severe, some sort of severe disorder. I don't know. But like, he's just, he's just kind of manic throughout this whole thing, mm-hmm. and he worries me a little bit. And then last but never least, we have Zero. Zero talks like never. I know. Like he's one of the smallest kids there. You'd and, almost think he's mute. And he's the fastest digger in the camp. <laughs> When they're in the when they're in the mess hall and they're getting fed, and Stanley's going down the line with his tray, getting his tray lined up. There's the PA overhead going. Today's menu is chili, string beans, refried beans, garbanzo beans, baked beans, green beans, 
banana jello. Oh man, I bet them tents stink. Those poor children. Also, banana jello. They're just being plied with beans. Oh. It's no nutritional value. And then they're being made to work and labor all day long. These boys do not take to Stanley immediately because he's he's new meat. He's soft. You yeah. know what I mean? They want to get it out of him. You know, what are you in for? All this good stuff. And, you know, he just lets them know that he um stole the cleats off of Sweet Feet. <laughs> he didn't steal them off of him. He They fell out of the sky. Like, he knows he didn't do anything. Man, you did not steal no Clyde Livingston Sweet Feet shoes. It was World Series cleats. Hold on, hold on. How did you get him? He's like the fastest guy in the majors, right? Oh, he got to hit four triples in one game. <laughs> <laughs> Clyde Livingston donated his shoes to this, uh, his, his homeless shelter. Did they have red X's on them? And Zero, of all people, Zero who doesn't talk, pipes right up and goes, did they have red X's on them? You got Zero to talk. Man, what else can you do, Zero? <laughs> <laughs> They're so mean to Zero. I know, they really are. Everybody in this movie is mean to Zero, and I do not get it. This this movie is all over the place. We're going to try and do a couple of things out of order so that we can just we can keep some flow. You know what I'm talking about? They feed them tortillas with syrup on them for breakfast. Is that what's on them? Yeah. Syrup? Yeah. Ew. Cuz you know a tortilla is just, you know, fried flour and corn. Like a pancake. Like if you I bet you right now if you walked upstairs, got yourself a tortilla, sprinkled some maple syrup on it and ate it. Like no, it's not food. <laughs> but like That's a depression meal. Yeah, that's a depression meal. And they're getting it for breakfast. So the first day of digging starts for Stanley. And the curious thing about the first day of digging is that Mr. Sir tells him that if he finds anything, quote, interesting, he has to report it to the staff. And like, if the warden likes it, he's going to get the rest of the day off. What am I supposed to be looking for, Mr. Sir? You're not looking for anything. You're building character. You take a bad boy, make him dig holes all day in the hot sun, and it turns him into a good boy. That's our philosophy here at Camp Green Lake. Start digging. This is the bit where Grandpa Yelnats starts explaining the curse on the Yelnats family. And it always starts with Stanley's, say it with me, no, no good, good, dirty, dirty rotten, rotten pig stealing, great great grandfather. Elia Yelnats. The father of Stanley Yelnats the first. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Try to keep up here. Lots of Stanley Yelnatses. So the Yelnatses, as you can imagine, come from Latvia. Yeah, Elia grew up in Latvia in a tiny village. He was a laborer who wanted to marry his boss's daughter, Myra Menke. God, I don't like Myra. <laughs> Myra's literally vapid. Like she's just, she's there's not there's not a whole lot going on up there, you know. Bless her soul, she's very pretty, but she's just not very bright. The only way Morris Menke is gonna let him marry his daughter is if he gives him a prize pig. Yeah, a big fat pig. That's what he wants. Like in exchange for his child. I guess pigs are currency in Latvia. I mean, hey, I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> why for your daughter? I wrote offering pork for marriage, and um, I guess that there is a woman. In this village that Elia is in, that he goes to advice for for sometimes. Yeah, she's the fortune teller, Madame Zeroni. Mm, this is Eartha Kitt. Oh, Eartha Kitt is here. I am living. Listen to Madame Zeroni. You should go to America. That's where my son is. That's your future. Not Myra Minky. Her head's as empty as a flower pot. 
she's just I love everything about her. I know. I love her grace. I love her presence. I love how she speaks and the way her voice is. She's just always an A plus for me. Madame Zeroni gives him this little piglet and tells him to do what, Ross? He has to carry this pig up a mountain every day while it drinks from a stream and he has to sing it a little song. I love the little song. If only, if only the woodpecker sighs. The bark on the tree was as soft as the skies. While the wolf waits below, hungry and lonely, he cries to the moon. If only, if only. And I guess this is going to make this pig rapidly grow. Yeah. Like magically. <laughs> in enough time to offer it to the Menkes to have Myra's hand in marriage. Because I guess there's another hat in the ring here. Some older man. Yeah, Igor, whatever. <laughs> Igor. and He's 50-something. Uh, he's also vying for the hand of Myra Menke. <laughs> but Elia must also come back and carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. And if he doesn't, she's going to curse him. After all of that, Myra Menke, who was a few grapes short of a fruit salad, <laughs> in order to choose between Elia and this older man, picks a number between one and ten. The way, okay, Elia's a fine-looking young man. He is. Then look at Igor. Yeah. She really couldn't decide? And Elia actually loves her. Yeah, like has flowers and not just pork waiting for her. And like, at first she asks, which pig weighs more? <laughs> they are the same. <laughs> He's so bothered. And then she's like, okay, fine. A number between one and ten. The look on Elia's face. He's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Mary, Igor. You can keep my pig as wedding present. So he takes off to America without another thought. Yeah, no, honestly, good for him. He was like, fuck her, fuck this, fuck this whole village. Not good for him, though. Oh, yeah, because he forgot. But the dummy forgot to go back and carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. If you forget to come back for Madame Zeroni... You and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. It's the laughter for me. Oh, I know. It gives me goose pimples. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I love it. (laughs) Like, I would heed her warning. I would not miss a step if Madame Zeroni told me what to do. We're back in the present day. Those blisters that Stanley's getting. In his first day. Oh, yeah. Whack as hell. Oh, that's so awful. There's uh, this actual great deleted scene. They talk about it in the book. You know, they're always like, oh, you know, your first hole's the hardest. Yeah. No, the second hole is the hardest. Oh, I remember this because they describe how the blisters that your, you formed the day before rip open. Yeah, and your body is in s- such an awful, destroyed state after that first hole yeah. that it's going to make the second hole that much more terrible. Oh my god, I hate it. I hate it so much. When he goes back to camp, he encounters a yellow spotted lizard, doesn't he? Oh yeah. And Mr. Sir being crazy. Because <laughs> he wants to hold his big gun. Oh my god! Out shooting him in the middle of camp. He thinks he's like a Texas Ranger or something. He, Spare me! He shoots a lizard away from hurting Stanley. <laughs> and he's just like, the way he goes. Get yourself a good sleep, son. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
<laughs> He's like, nighty night. And like the way Stanley's running away going, oh my God. When he gets back to the tent and Zigzag is like, what color was its blood? Zigzag bothers me. <laughs> Man, I wish I'd seen him. Bam. <laughs> I would not want to encounter Zigzag in a dark alley. Out in the field one day, Stanley thinks he's real cute because he finds a fossil. Oh, he thinks he's found something interesting. Yeah, he's found a fossil, some little fishies, because guys, this used to be a lake. Like, yeah. literally where they're digging used it, to be a gigantic lake. It's not a surprise. And he goes up to Pendanski and he's like, do I get the day off? Pendanski's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the warden isn't interested in fossils, apparently. And X-Ray thinks this is real shitty. You ever find anything? Give it to me, you understand? I've been here for over six months and never found anything. No one has. Why should you get a day off when you just got here? Finding the fossil is also what gets Stanley the nickname of Caveman. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Because everybody else has got a nickname, right? Yeah, and like now it's kind of weird. Even though they're still kind of rough on him, they've like weirdly adopted him into their little tribe. Mm-hmm. The tribe of D-Tent. D-Tent. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, they are all going through the same shit together. Indeed. Like, I can imagine the brotherhood that would form out of that weird <laughs> circumstance. They are imprisoned together. Yeah. This is the part where we get the background on the town and the lake that used to be on the side of the camp. And we, we get this lovely cut back to all these beautiful green spaces and this luscious, kind of dirty looking lake. And uh, there's a little village there. There's a schoolhouse. It's real cute. Sheriff station, jail, shops. You and know. It looks like a scene right out of Red Dead. It's cute. <laughs> all right. Who do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Sam, Kate, or Trout? Um, let's talk about Trout and get him out of the way. Okay. So, um, the ward, the current warden of the camp, I should let you all know, this is her property. Yeah. That this camp is on. Yeah. That she is allowing the state to, um, uh, have a, have a finger in that pie. Because her grandfather, Trout Walker, (laughs) used to own the entirety of Green Lake, Texas, which used to be a town. Like, imagine just owning a town. And I hate Trout. I just, I just want to say that from the start. No, yeah, the warden's grandfather was just the kind of Texan white supremacist who owned everything. Yeah, he just, he, all the, in, all the entitlement that you could possibly stand. Yeah, he's got his brand new, yeah, he's got his brand new motorboat. Uh. And yes, we do meet Sam the Onion Man, <laughs> an onion peddler. He is an onion head. All things onions with Sam. <laughs> We stand Sam. Sam says onions are nature's magic vegetable. What can they cure? Like, he goes through the list. Take me through it. The ancient Egyptians knew the secrets of the onions. High potent juices can cure stomach aches and toothaches, measles and mumps, rheumatism, hemorrhoids. <laughs> if you don't believe me, just ask Mary Lou. All she eats is onions, and she's almost 100 years old. How would you know, Sam? You're not a day over 25. Nature's magic vegetable, Miss Catherine. And this brings us to uh, Catherine, Miss Catherine, the school teacher. (laughs) Sam and Kate have been exchanging onions and peaches. (laughs) Yeah, he grows onions and she, does she like jar spiced peaches? Is that what it is? She sure does. And And I want them. I know, they sound really good. It's one of my favorite parts of the film is seeing those peaches in jars. I really just want to eat. 10 jars of those peaches. They just have like a fun little friendship to start with. And like, you know, of course, we didn't mention Sam is black. Yes, he's a black man. It's Dulé Hill. And the horrible white supremacists in this settlement are really upset that Kate and Sam are friends. (laughs) Kate likes Sam, but Walker likes Kate. Yeah. 
Sometimes I think Green Lake, Texas is heaven on earth. Those peaches are the work of an angel. I like peaches. <laughs> so we're back in the present day, back at Camp Green Lake, and uh, <laughs> Stanley's reading a letter home from his mom. And this scene kind of hurts me because Zero comes in to the tent. Uh-huh. And he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm reading a letter from my mom. And like Zero's kind of like standing over his shoulder looking at it. <laughs> Stanley's like, uh, can you not? I, I feel really awkward with you reading over my shoulder like that, so. I can't read. And you're like, oh, oh no. Like, my, I remember being a kid watching this movie and like my mouth dropping open. Was I, like, because a kid that age can't read. I had never heard of that. But like, I just, I love how Zero is immediately like, do you want to teach me? Yeah, and he's like, I can't read. I mean, you want to like maybe teach me? Because like, you seem nice. Yeah, he's, <laughs> Stanley's the only one who's nice to him. And Stanley's like, listen, um, my body is dead every day. <laughs> So uh, I mean, hey, I get it. No, <laughs> I love it when they're back out digging and they're like, look, a cloud. <laughs> and it's like hardly a cloud. It's like a few wisps of of concentrated water. And they're like, they just wanted to go in front of the sun and give them a reprieve from this heat. Hasn't, I literally wrote it hasn't rained for a hundred years, man. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? This is where Stanley finds a little gold tube in his hole. Yeah, it's like it like it looks like a, it looks like a shotgun shell. Squid is very quick to tell us it's not a shotgun shell. It's got a heart engraved on it, and inside the heart are the initials KB. X-ray takes this tube from Stanley because remember he wants to have a whole day off. Yeah, and like Stanley's gonna give him the business about it until like X-ray like steps to him, <laughs> as they might say, and he's like, "Well, um, your hole's already done today. Why don't you just wait until tomorrow?" That way you'll get the whole day off. And X-Ray's like, I like the way you think, caveman. Absolutely. So the next morning, X-Ray literally just goes out to start digging, throws the tube in his hole, and then he's like, hey, mom, I think I found something. <laughs> Looks like a gold, golden bullet or something, doesn't it? It's nice, right? So I yeah. get the day off now, right? You just might. We're going to call the warden. Hey, Lou, you better get down here. I think we got something. We got something nice. We got something nice. This is one of my favorite character entrances of all time. Just the sight of that white Chrysler gets me going. Oh, the sight of that white Chrysler going across the desert, leaving a trail of dust behind it. <laughs> and then you have Moby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my honey, come back sometime. I love that. I love this song so much, but that it, it's literally the same lyric over and over. <laughs> the same lyrics over and over and over again. I know. Again. It never stops. And like you said at the top, we get a very Miranda Priestly entrance here. Everyone is big nervous. Assholes clenched. The warden's driving out. Like we get the whole cowboy boot stepping out of the Chrysler and walking over, panning up. And guys, the shock of my little 2003 brain, it's a lady. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when it pans up pastor and you're like you see it's Sigourney Weaver and you're like, and I was like oh it's a lady <laughs> Louise like, Walker yeah granddaughter of Trout Walker this where you found it yes ma'am Dr. Pendansky drive x-ray back to camp give him double shower tokens and a snack 
Sigourney Weaver wanted to be in this movie because it's her daughter's favorite book. Yeah, her daughter really likes the Lewis Sacker novel and was like, listen, I think you'd be really good as this mean lady in this book. (laughs) And Sigourney Weaver's like, oh shit, well, okay, fine. What a weird compliment to get from your kid. And she almost didn't do it. Yeah, I know. Like, but her daughter begged and begged. And she was (laughs) like, well, shit, okay, I gotta do it for my kid. The first thing we learn about the warden is that she is a person who can command a lot of attention and obedience without even raising her voice. She's hot. I know. I hate it because she's evil. She is very evil. She's abusing these children. Yeah, she's a child abuser, and I'm like, stop being hot. No, I know. You're evil. It's hot. I I hate it so much. Warden takes a look at that tube, that gold tube, and she's like, okay, let's fill everyone's canteens up. (laughs) Oh, no. And then Dr. Bandetsky makes a mistake (laughs) by saying, I already filled them. Excuse me? I had already filled them when you drove up in the car. Excuse me? Did I ask you when you last filled them? No, you didn't, but... Excuse me. Now, these fine boys have been working hard. Don't you think it just might be possible they have taken a drink since you filled their canteens? It's the excuse me for me. I know. She's not yelling, Ross, but it's so much scarier when they don't yell. Exactly. That's what Meryl Streep says is weird about Clint Eastwood. Uh-huh. On set, he never raises his voice. No, he, like, talks real soft, so you'll have to lean in Ex- to hear him. Exactly. And it's much more commanding than if you were shouting. Oh, my God. And she just, she takes that canteen out of Stanley's hand, and she shakes it in Pendansky's face. Can you hear the empty spaces? Yes, I can hear. Fill it. That's too much trouble. You can grab a shovel and caveman here can fill the canteens. Everyone's loving it when she's ragging on Pandansky, especially Mr. Sir. Mr. Sir has like a weird thing for her. He sure does. I hate it. It's unspoken, but it's there. And like she calls all the boys in the camp. A, B, C, D, everybody is getting over to this site to dig the shit out of this hole where X-Ray found this tube. They establish a whole new, straight-up, right-out-of-Mesopotamian site. <laughs> like they're digging for the pharaohs! She's like, oh my god, we're going to be speaking Chinese by the time we're done with this excavation. She's clearly looking for something. And I mean, like, where's the... T- how? Okay, this is where your philosophy is getting a little flawed for me here, <laughs> Madam Warden. Like, what are we actually teaching these kids? Or are you looking for money in the ground? (laughs) Now we go back into 18-whatever-the-hell to where Camp Green Lake used to be, and we get the background on the romance between Sam the Onion Man and Catherine the schoolteacher. It's raining out, and Sam visits Catherine. She just let school out, and the ceiling's leaking. I can fix that. Sam, are you going to try to tell me now that your onions are a cure for leaky roof? No. I'm just good with my hands. I built my own boat, you know. I needed to get across the lake to my onion field. And so he says, you know, I'll fix your leaky roof. I'll fix your, you know, crooked door. I'll fix your broken window. All for your peaches. Oh, he can have some of my peaches and fix my broken door. (laughs) He does all this handiwork for peaches and flirting. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love it when she's tutoring that little girl and reading Annabelle Lee to her. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's such a dear moment. The way she looks at him. And then we get this sequence. I feel like we're in a music video. (laughs) 
like he walks into the schoolhouse. It's raining. She's sitting there reading a book. I guess the book is making her cry. I think she's crying because white men are making her feel bad. Hey, it could be both. <laughs> it could definitely be both. And it's just, it's so cheesy. He takes her hand. I can fix that. Oh my God. Stop. Oh my God. <laughs> and they're kissing right in front of the window. And uh, Trout rides by and witnesses um, the black man kissing the white woman. And uh, you know what white supremacists do when they see that? They just cause a whole disaster. Cut to Trout Walker and his friends burning down the schoolhouse. They're um, crowdsourcing because they're going to lynch Sam. It's so horrible. This is a children's movie. Uh, It's a Disney movie. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I say I cannot believe And, like, Catherine runs to the sheriff to get help, and he is drunk. And tries to force himself on her. Give me a kiss. Kiss the onion picker. You're drunk! I always get drunk before hanging. If you hang him, then you better hang me, too. Because I kissed him back. It ain't against the law for you to kiss him. Just for him to kiss you. Catherine goes out to find Sam, because, like, obviously there's a manhunt out for him now. He's fleeing. And Trout and his men get to him first. Shoot him on the boat. On Mary Lou. Yeah, on the boat he built. Mm. This is where Kate says, fuck it. She's like, I'm done. Get rid. She, (laughs) she turns to a life of crime. She walks into that sheriff's station. Next morning. Dressed to the nines. In that beautiful red getup she's in. She's wearing red lipstick. She takes that red bonnet off and goes, Morning, Sheriff. Do you still want that kiss? Kate shoots the sheriff in the face. She just shoots him right between the eyes. He had no idea. The look on his face when that gun comes out. It's amazing. And then you know, Marv, we all need a calling card. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If we're going to be a famous murderess, we're going to have a calling card. And she uh, gives him a peck on the cheek. And this styles her as, notoriously... Kissing Kate Barlow. She becomes an interstate outlaw. She has like this all-male posse and runs around the state, robbing stagecoaches, trains. She has big enough balls to rob Chicago Pacific. Yeah! And that was a very, very profitable railway back in those days. And I love this song that's playing over this montage. I know! It gives me big Carrie Underwood vibes. Like... (laughs) I, you all would almost think it's a Carrie Underwood music video. Look at me, I've got goosies! You do, you, she literally has goose pimples talking about it. <laughs> Do you have a thing for kissing Kate Barlow, Carrie? Would you like to be um, kissing Kate Barlow? I, I would, but I would not like to die. <laughs> I would like to be alive and kiss. Because that's the thing. She only kisses men she kills. And the other thing, her connection to the main story is that she robs Stanley Yelnatch the first. 
Elia's kid. Yeah, she robs his stagecoach, mm-hmm. takes his entire fortune, including his stock in AT&T. And strands him in the desert. And like, it's just, is she, she's so awesome. She's my favorite thing about this movie. I mean, hey. I want a Kissin' Kate Barlow movie. Yeah, no. Or a series. Like, yeah. sign me up. Cut back to the present, and the kids have scraped out this desert. Uh, the dig's not going well. <laughs> it's it's like a four-day-long excursion. Where are the guys from Jurassic Park? Like, that that's what it reminds me of. And I love it. The warden's walking up on the surface, her hands on her hips. Four days. Four long days, and this is all you jackasses got to show for it. Probably ain't nothing down there. We found it by now. I wouldn't tell the queen bee that. I ain't on stupid pills. What are you jawing about? You can't get him to dig any faster. You can grab a shovel and join him. The simple answer to why these boys are not finding anything is because they're digging in the wrong place. Yeah, that's not at all where the tube was found. She knows this little brass tube with KB on it is a lipstick tube that belonged to Kate Barlow. She's looking for Kate Barlow's infamous treasure. That's supposed to be out in this desert somewhere. And that's the whole reason she runs the camp. She's looking for this treasure. That's the whole reason the kids have to dig holes every day. How many generations of children have suffered and probably gone on to die or lead horrible lives, all because this woman wants to find some money in the ground? It's horrible. I, and like, honestly, it just, they're not even looking in the right place. I feel so bad for them. So we just kind of go back, after like four days, we go back to digging individual holes. Yeah, they call off that expedition. Because there's obviously nothing in this area where they've been digging. And one day, a Magnet just has an impulse, man. Yeah, because he's 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 he, a serial thief. He's a kleptomaniac. Yeah. He sees this bag of sunflower seeds in the front seat of Mr. Sir's truck, and he just swipes them. And like, Mr. Sir's driving away, Magnet thinks he's gotten away with it. Everybody's yucking it up. Everybody's passing the bag, getting handfuls of seeds. And then Mr. Sir throws a serious U-turn. Like the truck is almost turned into a mirage. <laughs> and then you see it do the sharpest turnaround. I say, come on, man, hurry up. He's coming back. Hey, he's coming back, he's coming back. Catch it. Oh, Stan, Butterfinger. coming back. They start playing hot potato with the sack. And it busts open in Stanley's hole. And like, you know how you, you <laughs> I don't like the way I said that. The bag of seeds busts open in Stanley's sight. I don't think that was better. Whatever. <laughs> so you all remember how this goes. Mr. Sir starts demanding answers, and, you know, Stanley could have very easily turned Magnet in. But he doesn't. He takes the fall. He does. Uh... So Mr. Sir takes Stanley back to camp for a little uh, talk with the warden. I love this whole scene. This... It's, it's one of my favorite scenes. This scene's amazing, because Mr. Sir brings him in there, and, like, she's all Twitter-pated at first, because she thinks they found something. <laughs> Mr. Sir's like, uh, Stanley, tell the warden what you found in your hole. And Stanley, very politely... Tells her, you know, what he wants her to believe has happened. (laughs) That he nicked Mr. Sir's sunflower seeds out of his truck and that he got caught with them. Her whole energy changes. Her face just falls. And she's like, Stanley, could you bring me the little brass polish case out of my bureau over there? And they sit down and Stanley's admiring the room and there's all of this kissing Kate Barlow 
shit all over the walls. Oh, like ancient newspaper clippings, wanted posters. So she's obviously got an obsession. <laughs> yeah. And like, I just think that all the posters they made are really cool and stuff. Oh, like, I would love one. The like the like the little animation they've done of her. Mm. Like it looks authentic because yeah. like obviously no one knows exactly what she looks like yeah. in those times. They can only give you know half a description. I think they did really good with those props. And um, Stanley brings over her little brass case with her nail polish in it. This is special nail polish. She makes it herself. You want to know my secret ingredient? Rattlesnake venom. I just love what it does to the color. and It's perfectly harmless. When it's dry. And the way she reaches up and, like, strokes his face with this polish. So I, I forget how this escalates. So you think he stole your sunflower seeds? No, I don't. I think he's covering for x-ray or somebody. It was a five-pound sack, and he claims to have eaten it all. But but it was only half full when I got it. And uh, there's a lot in my hole. You could check that. I will. I will check it. Ah! She backhands him in the face with that wet, venom-filled nail polish, and it immediately tears open and begins to burn his skin on his face. It's the best moment in the movie, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, he's just (laughs) like a child, wincing and crying on the floor. Like pounding his cowboy boots on the floor. (laughs) She turns around and goes, I suggest you go back to your hole now. I liked you better when, when you smoked. I liked you better when you smoked. <laughs> I love that. Sigourney's my queen. <laughs> when Stanley gets back to the dig site, he finds that his hole has been dug. Yeah, Zero finished his hole for him. And he's like, hey, Zero, why'd you finish digging my hole for me, man? And he's like, because you didn't take the seeds. Neither did you. And you didn't take the shoes either. And I'm like, hold up, what? What? <laughs> This is where Stanley finally offers to teach Zero how to read. And I love how Stanley is teaching Zero how to write his name. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, you know, my name's not Zero. And he's like, obviously. He's like, my name's Hector. Hector Zeroni. Ding, 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 ding. Is that ringing any bells? We learn that Zero's mom always had a lot of problems. I think the implication here being that she was suffering from substance abuse And they were homeless a lot. She would leave him places, presumably to maybe go do drugs, and she would return days later. And then one day, she just never came back. Yeah, which is never a good sign. Like, it's such a horrible story, but it's also a really common story, which just kind of breaks my heart. In exchange for reading lessons, Zero is helping Stanley dig his holes every day. Uh Uh-huh. Like, so he's not so tired to teach him at the end of the day. And the boys are getting kind of tired of that because they don't have any help of their own. Yeah. And one day it all kind of comes to a head. Like, Zigzag won't take it anymore. It's like lunchtime, I I think. And he's getting in Stanley's face about Zero digging his holes. (laughs) Not the authority figure condoning Zigzag's violence. Yes, Spendansky is encouraging this. Hey, 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 hey. What's going on here? Not the mom. We was just fooling. Yeah, just fooling. I saw what was going on. Come on, mom. Go on, Stanley. Teach him a lesson. Hit him back. Yeah, teach me a lesson. Teach him a lesson. (laughs) Come on, hit me. Hit him. Come on, teach me nothing. Hit him, Oh! Oh. And, like, they're wrestling and tussling, and Zero decides, 
fuck this shit and goes after Zigzag, almost choking him to death. He, like, and jumps, it, he does he does the Andre the Giant method. Yeah. He jumps on his back and chokes him from behind. It takes Pendansky firing his rifle in the air. <laughs> oh, I said that's enough! <laughs> They rat Stanley and Zero out to Mr. Sir, Pandensky, and the Warden because of the fight that broke out. Yeah, they drag the Warden all the way out to the dig site to deal with this. Like, they rat Stanley and Zero out because Zero's been helping Stanley dig his holes in exchange for Stanley teaching him to read. And I love how the Warden's like, no, no more literacy. And everyone <laughs> digs their own hole from now on. Like, I mean, hey, that's how she keeps them divided and, and ignorant. And the and this, this other thing that Pendensky is like usually well-meaning towards most of the boys, but he's always picking on Zero. I was I have always wondered why Pendansky is so tough on Zero. I think it's because Zero's a ward of the state. I think it's because Zero it doesn't have anybody, and so it's easy to victimize him. I mean, you might as well teach this shovel to read. Go ahead, Zero, take it. It's all you'll ever be good for. D-I-G. What's that spell? Dig. Go, Zero! Go! (laughs) Dig! (laughs) And he takes off running. He takes off running. The noise that shovel makes. The Warden, Mr. Sir, and Pendansky are immediately on their hind legs. They are conspiring to erase Zero. Because now they've got a missing kid, right? Yeah. And they don't want to invite an investigation into the facility. And the Warden literally says to destroy Zero's file because he's going to die out there. Stanley's worried about Zero because he's got no way to survive out there in the desert. There's no water out there. It brings him back to that story about his grandpa getting robbed by Kate Barlow and getting stranded in the middle of the desert. But you know how Grandpa Yelnets survived? Or Great Grandpa Yelnets? Great Great Grandpa Yelnets? (laughs) I've lost track at this point. Stanley Yelnets the first. We know how he survived. He made it to the top of what's known as God's Thumb. Is God's thumb real? I hope it's a creation. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's at least comparable to other things that exist. We, If God's thumb is real, we must visit. Yes, we must. We must visit. Oh my God, movie site road trip. Aww. Do we want to talk about Twitch real quick? So this poor kid, this new arrival. New arrival! New arrival! Uh, this kid that gets brought into camp, his name's Twitch. They call him Twitch, because he's quite literally twitching. Yeah. I, he's I, got he's got some sort of obsessive, compulsive urge, what? and he's in for joyriding. Yeah! He just likes, he just has sudden urges to take cars that aren't his. With the assistance of uh, Twitch and the gang, Oh no. Stanley tries to steal Mr. Sir's truck during uh, Canteen Phil one day. The one with the water tank on the back of it. He's going to drive out into the wilderness to look for Zero. With the water! But he drives it into a hole instead. Keep going! Gavin made a joke that I had to write down. Please. Stanley drove that water truck straight into a plot hole. (gasps) Not a pothole, a plot hole. He drives it straight into that hole. Because if he had successfully taken that truck out there, there'd have been no reason to go up that mountain. Where is he? Where's Gavin? (laughs) Gavin! You're gonna go beat him up for the bad joke. You're fired! (laughs) He'll be paid through the week, huh? (laughs) 
Gavin's up there yelling, I stand by my pun. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so uh, Stanley gets out of that hole and makes run for it. Yep, he's just going to run out there and look for Zero. The camp administration then begins a conspiracy to cover up both of their deaths. Because Stanley does have family that will come looking for him. They say they'll wait two weeks and report that he ran away then. Because by then, Stanley will have already been buzzard food and probably his bones covered in dust. Oh no. Stanley's walking through the desert alone. He's miserable. He's hopeless. He finds the remains of Mary Lou, Sam's boat from 18-whatever-the-hell. Yeah! The one he was shot to death in. Oh, no. Uh, and Lou, he, he walks up to it, and he sees Zero lying underneath of it. Yeah, like the boat's overturned, and he sees, like, that orange pant leg and that work boot. He, like, says, he, his he, na- he says his name a couple of times. He, and he knows it's Zero. He just doesn't know whether he's alive or not. And Zero finally moves, oh and you're like, God. oh, thank God. <laughs> What's up, Ben? How you doing? All right. Oh. I thought you were gone. I was. And uh, Zero then invites Stanley into his new little home <laughs> underneath Mary Lou. This overturned boat. And he says, let's try some sploosh, which is literally just 150-year-old spiced peaches in jars. They're peaches. They're Catherine's peaches. Yeah. That Sam had with him in the boat when he died. It's still not excusable. They're a hundred-year-old peaches. You know, Gavin pointed something out that I don't think I've ever intellectualized before. The fact that they probably fermented and it's like booze now? Yeah! Oh, you know, I didn't think about that either. Zero's been drunk under this boat <laughs> for the last three days! This is how he's been living! And, like, Stanley immediately, he's like, we gotta go back to camp, we gotta tell the warden where that, where I actually found that tube, she'll be so happy that she'll forget all about punishing us. But Zero is adamant that he's not going back to camp. Oh, I wouldn't either. And uh, so they decide the only way they're going to survive out here is to follow the legend of Stanley Yelnax the first <laughs> to make it to the top of God's thumb, which they see just in the distance. Yeah, Stanley like looks at this mountain range out in the distance and he holds his thumb up. He's like, huh, that looks a lot like a thumb. And like he and Zero start climbing this mountain. Like these are literal children taking care of each other in the Texas desert. Also, Zero is considerably younger and smaller than Stanley. Yeah. Like, he's big dehydrated and big weak. He's been out there longer than Stanley has. He's drunk. You're also right about that. Like, he's- He's drunk on a hundred-year-old peach sploosh. And Stanley has no choice but to carry Hector Zeroni the rest of the way up the mountain. Guys, remember, Elliot didn't go back and carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. And now his descendant is carrying Madame Zeroni's descendant up the mountain. You must carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain and sing while I drink so I can get strong too. They find water and sweet onions at the top of God's thumb. This is the onion magic has not faded. This is Sam's onion farm. <laughs> they he takes a bite of it. He's like, "What is it? It's a hot fudge sundae. Now eat it." <laughs> It's sustenance. We can't be picky. And so he leans back in that stream after cooling himself off and eating onions, and he starts singing the song. If only, if only the woodpecker sighed, the bark on the tree was as soft as the skies. So the wolf waits below, hungry and lonely, cries to the moon, a 
if only, if only. I love that shot of Zero's face. It's like he's remembering something. Uh-huh. So, um, real quick, uh, cut back to the apartment of the Yelnats family. Oh, are you ready to talk about how Stanley Yelnats III finally found the cure for foot odor? Okay, so, like, the curse was just broken, right? Yeah. And because the curse has affected every generation of the Yelnatses. Obviously, Elia. Obviously, Stanley Yelnats I with Kate Barlow. The sec- I don't know what Grandpa's misfort- big misfortune is. It's probably looking like that. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but then you have, you know, Stanley Yelnats III can never seem to find the breakthrough in his search for the cure to foot odor. He accidentally drops a thing of peaches in this concoction that he's made. He's boiling tennis shoes with onions. Yeah. And then he pulls his shoe out and he's like, he sniffs it. He goes, honey, would you please smell the shoe? (laughs) And she's like, God. I love the mom. She's always a thousand percent done. She's like, while I'm eating. (laughs) She's like, you've asked me a million times. I'll ask you a million and one more. Just smell the shoe. And she doesn't smell anything. I love this so much! <laughs> I don't smell anything. Uh-uh. Pa, what do you smell? Nothing. Peaches and onions. That's the secret. I don't smell anything. You don't smell anything. I don't smell anything. Ooh, Ooh I don't smell Sweat. anything. We don't, don't smell, smell anything. anything. <laughs> I told you I was on the brink of no stink. I don't smell anything. Peaches and onions proved to be the cure to foot odor. Has anyone actually tried that? No, I don't think they should. Because <laughs> you know what you'll probably have? Onion foot odor. A very sickly, sweet, sweaty smell. <laughs> so, like, that's it. Stanley has broken the curse on his family. Back at the top of God's thumb, <laughs> where do you think they are? They're, you know, they're not quite at the knuckle but they're not quite at the cuticle, though. No, they're like they're like right there in the middle, right there. I'm, yeah. You guys can't see. I'm pointing to my thumb. <laughs> like I'm trying to describe where I live in Michigan. It's not a visual medium. <laughs> Zero finally just tells Stanley that he was, in fact, the one who stole the Clyde Livingston sweet feet cleats. Oh, my God, this whole confession. Stanley, I got to tell you something. What? It's my fault you were sent to Camp Greenlight. I stole the shoes. I didn't know there were sweet feet. Zero was in that homeless shelter where the charity was being held. He saw the shoes and he liked them. He's a kid. He thought they were neat. And so, yeah, he took them because he doesn't have anything. And the cops, he could hear the cops coming and he threw the shoe. He took the shoes off and threw them over an overpass and they fell on Stanley. Like, you know, this is usually the kind of aligning of the stars that would piss me off narratively, right? Oh, no, this is like kind of like when they just dis- this the moment of the shoes falling on Stanley is kind of like discovering it's kind of like Qui-Gon discovering that Anakin has all these midi-chlorians. <laughs> oh, my God. Because this is going to bring balance back to their little universe. No, like this movie is just a bunch of dangling plot threads that like all end up in a neat little bow at the end. Like this just. It's just the craziest form of fate I could ever imagine. Indeed. All in this same area where it all happened. Stanley just gets this weird little smile on his face. I feel lucky. (laughs) The onions have gone to your head. What do you say we dig one more hole? 
So because Stanley's dad has found the cure for foot odor, we've suddenly got lawyer money. Yeah. And he hires an attorney, Carla Marengo, to represent Stanley's interest. I love Carla because she's got this case for five minutes before she gets his conviction overturned. Yeah. Based on la- based on improper representation. She's the fierce advocate that you want to come out of the blue. Oh, I know. For real. Like, where's the true crime doc about Carla Marengo? Because now the law's getting involved, and they're snooping around at Green Lake looking for Stanley. Carla comes to the camp to get Stanley, and Mr. Sir won't produce him because he can't. Exactly. And, like, she, Carla is just over it. She is yelling as she's leaving that office. She's like, you can't keep him from me. He's my client. I'm going to come back with the law in the morning. (laughs) She could not be more over it. I just, I love her. We then see the end of Kate Barlow. This is my favorite part of the movie. Is it? Oh, this is so, this is peak Western, like, spaghetti Western, like, all that stuff. All of that motif, that genre. I love it. Cut to hot, tired, run out Kate Barlow sitting in the sun by Mary Lou. The lake's already dried up. His boat is laying out there overturned. Like, she's hallucinating. That's how dehydrated she is. (laughs) And then you hear the gun cock. Like, she's not phased. Like, Trout Walker just comes out of nowhere. How does she not see him coming? I don't know. There's nothing around. She's hallucinating. There's nothing around for miles. But him and his little wife are pointing a shotgun in her face, demanding to know where she hid the loot. I love it when she's like, I've been waiting for you, Trout, and points the gun at him, and she's like, I ain't gonna kill you. She's not even gonna be- (laughs) She's like, I'm not wasting energy murdering you right now. She's not even phased, and she's not gonna tell him where the loot's buried. When he says to her, after I'm through with you, you're gonna wish you were dead, and the way she just kind of nonchalantly goes, (laughs) I've been wishing I was dead for a long time. You, your children, and your children's children will dig for the next 100 years, and you will never find it. Look out! A lizard comes out from underneath the boat, and she picks it up. It's like it's a cat. She's like, come here, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And she says... Start digging, Trout. And lets the lizard bite her. (laughs) She did. So that's another little thing wrapped up there. Remember the the hole with the tube of lipstick in it? Stanley marked that hole with a boulder. A very distinct boulder. It's a rock that I shit you not looks like Madame Zeroni. Okay. You don't think that rock looks like Madame Zeroni? No, I think it looks like a rock. Literally, the rest of the internet thinks it looks like Madame Zeroni. I really don't think so, but okay. <laughs> this is like some kind of weird Rorschach test. I, I disagree with the internet on this one. It looks like a rock. <laughs> it does not look like Eartha Kit, but anyways. So they take shovels, run back to this hole in the middle of the night after everybody's gone, and they start digging. They finally get digging around the inside of this hole, and they hit something big and heavy. Yeah, Stanley finally hits pay dirt. And they find a literal treasure chest in the side of this hole. It's like the Goonies. (laughs) We found it! boys you've been a big help and as soon as they get it pulled out of that hole and they're like we're rich we're rich the flashlights and the silhouettes 
and it's the warden. How she knew to come directly to them right there, I'll never know. But this is a movie, and I will leave the writer alone on that one. And this is where, you know, this is kind of her Aunt Petunia moment. Yeah. You know, she's been waiting to say all this for years. And I'm like, oh, no, here we, here it is. Yeah, I wrote. The childhood drama that makes her then abuse children in her adulthood. I wrote the warden starts waxing nostalgic about her abusive grandfather. This is my favorite part of the movie. Like, when she's a little little kid out there digging with her grandpa tiny louise digging holes she's not even working that hard and it's trout yeah it's like an 100 year old trout <laughs> yeah i'm tired of this grandpa that's too damn bad you keep digging well excuse me you'll thank me one day <laughs> you keep digging <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. It gets me every time. That's too damn bad. <laughs> I'm going to start using that on you. <laughs> I don't want to. That's too damn bad. <laughs> you do the dishes. As soon as they like shine the lights down in there, all these lizards crawl out of the hole. Yellow spotted lizards. Yeah, all these poisonous lizards. The guardians of the Yelnats treasure. <laughs> Get back. Oh my god. Ah! Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Don't. Get in there. Pull it out. You get in there. They start jumping all over the box and on Zero and on Stanley. Like literally covering them. And the adults are just gonna wait for the lizards to bite them and then leave them in a hole out here. Yeah. Like, what in the name of the Lord? They're talking about abating the death of the children in front of the children. Like, these are evil people who just want the money in this box. Dawn comes and the lizards have still not bitten the kids. I think that they're being protected by whatever balance they've restored. I think they're being protected by the onions. Oh, yeah! Yeah, because they're full of onions, and earlier we didn't mention it, the yellow-spotted lizards don't like onion juice. Yeah, no, that's one of the And they're literally sweating onion juice. Yeah, that's why- I've never thought of that before, (laughs) Carrie. Wow. Yeah, Sam was right. (laughs) They keep the lizards away. They're actually pacing back and forth, pondering about shooting them. Yeah. Killing them. It's taken too long. That lawyer's gonna be here any moment. And she is. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, hell, that can't be her already. All of a sudden, Miss Carlin Marengo, attorney at law, has arrived. And you know what else she brought? Texas Rangers. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. The warden tries to tell the lawyer and the rangers that the boys snuck into her cabin. And the... stole this obviously been buried for hundreds of years box. She calls them thieves and tries to grab this trunk out of Zero's hands. And I love this. Another favorite moment. It's Stanley's. What are now you doing? Let go. Red-handed. I could send Stanley right back to prison if I press charges. However, in view of all the circumstances, I think I'll just take it. It has his name on it. What? No, it doesn't. Oh, my God. You see? Stan Lee yell nuts. He he can't read. That's not possible. (laughs) The way that Pendanski's like, he he can't read. If Stanley had not taught this kid to read... This would have ended very differently. So they get back to camp, and the warden is trying to grab at the treasure chest. She's like, no, please, I've abused for decades to I, get to this moment. God. Uh, <laughs> and, like, Carla's going to take Stanley and the treasure home. Yeah. But Stanley won't leave without Zero, without Hector. Yeah. 
Don't worry. We'll take good care of Hector. I'm not leaving here without him. Earl, would you please get me Hector's file? Well, certainly, Carla. Ms. Walker? Well? Get me the file of Hector Zeroni. <laughs> I love it! Pendensky and Sir, they're like, listen, we destroyed it. I don't know. What are we going to do? What are we going to say? When the warden looks at Pendensky and goes, get me the file of Hector Zeroni. And he's just staring at her. And I can see it behind his eyes. You mean the one you asked me to destroy? <laughs> just do it. <laughs> they can't produce the file. And so the- <laughs> Pendensky just comes out and foolishly announces there is no file. And the rangers start ordering an investigation on the camp. And then one of them recognizes Mr. Sir. Oh, this whole time, Mr. Sir has been acting real sus. Yeah, I've been trying to keep his face hidden. Like hiding behind the clipboard, trying to hide from the cops. Marion Seville. Oh, crap. Long time since El Paso, Marion. You're in violation of your parole carrying this weapon. I had no knowledge of that. Oh, yeah. Just like you didn't know Pendanska with no doctor, neither. Carrying firearms in charge of children. Is that not just the most horrifying thing? <laughs> the way the warden's like, I did not know about that. And I'm like, sure you didn't. Luke. Oh yeah, just like you didn't know Pendansky was no doctor neither. <laughs> it all makes sense. Yeah. They're all horrific frauds. Exactly. Nobody has any qualifications. Nobody should be looking after children. And so um, the three big baddies get put under arrest. Carla says, Hector, let's fucking go. She's going to take Hector. And then, guys, just when you think it can't get better, it starts raining. It has not rained on this land in well over a hundred years. Balance has truly been restored. Sam has truly been avenged. (laughs) I know your little druid heart absolutely loved that. Oh, it did. Oh, it did. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. We are are avenging Sam. We're avenging Kate. We are putting Trout and his descendants' names to shame. We're taking this land away and giving it back to where it needs to go. Yeah, I know. I just, I know. You love it. You love it when a plan comes together like that. (laughs) Nature is restored. <laughs> Nature's healing. And all the boys are dancing around in the rain, and they're all so happy, and the camp's gonna get shut down, and they're gonna go home. And I love that after they get gone, we're opening the treasure chest. Oh yeah, we're back in the Yelnats apartment. <laughs> no matter what is in this box, we are still family. We are the Yelnatses. Woo-woo! And then we crack it open, and it's full of gold and jewels and money. They have old 1905 AT&T stocks. Yeah, remember? Yeah. They're worth $25,000 each, worth probably millions each now. In 1905 money. There's four of them. One for us, one for Mr. Zeroni. One for us, one for Mr. Zeroni. And yeah, Stanley's like, I think it's only fair that we split this with Hector, with Zero. And what does Hector do with the money? Um, he hires a team of private investigators to find his mom. And they do. And they're reunited. And we're both sobbing. And I'm just like, she's swinging him around. So, Hector was able to hire his own team of private investigators. Turns out his mom had been looking for him, too. I love you. 
they've been looking for each other this whole time. I'm going to cry again just thinking about it. And thanks to all that dirty Texas money, (laughs) they've been reunited. More balance is restored. And also, in consort with Sweet Feet, Clyde Livingston, with Stanley Yelnats III, we have developed a product that's going to keep the millions rolling in. It's a product called Sploosh. <laughs> the cure for your horrible foot odor in your sneakers. And, like, Sweet Feet's the spokesperson. Yeah, yeah, he is. Clyde Livingston's the spokesman for it. To my fans, I'm known as Sweet Feet. <laughs> but to my wife, I was known as... Stinky Feet. None of his teammates ever wanted to sit next to him in the dugout. <laughs> that's all over now. Thanks to Sploosh. Sploosh. I just spray a little on each foot every morning. And now, he really does have sweet feet. After looking at that kid and saying, you're no fan of mine. Yeah. He's a spokesman for his daddy's product. We see them in this beautiful new house. Oh, yeah. Hector and Stanley, their families buy houses next to each other. Yeah. They're having a pool party. They're watching the brand new Sploosh ad with Clyde Livingston <laughs> in their living room. It's a dream. And it's all a- the all the boys from D10 are there. Yeah, they've all been released from the camp. Mm-hmm. They got real help from real counselors. Indeed. And I just, I, oh, I can't. I can't get over the fact that they actually named this product Sploosh. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> God. All I can think about is Pam from <laughs> from Archer. Exactly. Sploosh. Sploosh. <laughs> now available in the Sweet Meat Collection with a Cantor, a product for KB Industries. Plus, I like the tingle. I guess you have to fill in the rest of the holes yourself. Oh, I've been wanting to cover that for a while. Isn't it great? Isn't it a great movie? Guys, no big outro this week. There's nothing really, you know, to talk about here. This is just a great story. It's a great film, and it's a film that we've had for most of our lives. And, like, I never get sick of it. Never. Never. I I never get sick of this movie. It's a wonderful watch every single time. Yeah, it's all over the fucking place, (laughs) and probably not well written in parts, and has weird fucking music montages, but I still love it. It's still near and dear to my heart. Shia, I'll love you uh, as much as I can. (laughs) Like, we'll try to remember you fondly. (laughs) We'll try to remember you fondly from these days. Uh, I can't wait to talk about Disturbia, quite honestly. Oh, I know, right? (laughs) We should do that for Halloween, too. (laughs) Guys, that's a great movie. Another great summer flick. This, uh, our coverage uh, in July is kind of turning out to be a white boy summer. Yeah. Uh, We've been talking a lot about boys. (laughs) I certainly did not intend that. No, I don't think you did. (laughs) We have, you know, the Patriots and the the Sandlot kids and now the Holes kids, and now we're going to talk about another little white boy, only this time he's animated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, guys, we are going to be talking about the 1999 animated film, The Iron Giant. Yay! A little Norman Rockwell feel for you here at the end of July. Oh, God. Americana. Yeah. The way, the way you grimaced Ew, just now. Americana. <laughs> no, but most of you probably remember this movie from childhood. Oh, are you ready to are you ready to feel all the existential things and cry? Oh, like Oh my god. I, I'm so excited to process this again. Oh my god. It'll be grand. <laughs> so folks be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, practice the three R's rate review retweet. Rate review retweet, folks. We want you to be able to come and join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry mom. mom.